Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number seven. And on this episode, we will look at Sabbath, February 9th. Were you wondering if I had fallen off the face of the earth? <laughs> I was wondering that myself. I was wondering, Lord, when am I going to get to record? This is, uh, you know, getting ridiculous. It's Wednesday already, and I'm usually having published the, the episodes by Sabbath morning. So I apologize for getting these uh, late to you, but the reason is, is we're studying the seven trumpets. And this week, uh, if the seven seals threw me for a loop, boy, oh boy. Um, and you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I got trained in the seminary, went through these sections. Uh, but when I did, I all, all I came away with is there are different views within Adventism in regards to the seven trumpets. And I'm going to ask you, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel to know that even amongst the scholars, those that you know know the biblical language, the original languages, there is no real consensus in some parts of the trumpets. There are some differences and there are some a lot of overlap as well. But how does that make you feel? Does it make you feel discouraged? Does it make you feel like, why bother? If they can't agree, then why should I even bother? Um, I want to invite you to consider this. Why not get excited? Why not simply say, we have not figured everything out? there's still much more to learn. You know, having my background in medicine, in nursing, uh, I see that continually in how even individuals that have no uh, intention of being spiritual or, or no awareness of acceptance of a, of a higher power of God, yet they don't feel that everything that could be learned about a body system has been learned. Um, one of my professors uh, Dr. Harrison, uh, Penn State, uh, well, he graduated from Penn State and he was teaching at the community college that I went to. He um, would always uh, challenge us with the idea that there's more. We, we know a lot about the kidneys, but when you compare it to what there is to know, we know very little. And instead of discouraging me, he said, that, that just fills me with passion and fire to do all I can to bring my contribution in furthering our understanding of the kidneys. That, that's what he was passionate about. And you could tell by his class. And so for me, th that became a role model, believe it or not. He never talked about God in class. He never said anything spiritual in class, per se, uh, or at least intentional. But he did provide for me a model of how I should approach the scriptures, and in this case, the book of Revelation. Instead of it discouraging me, it should motivate me. And I've told you this in many other podcasts, that the Protestant Reformation is far from over. And this is exactly what I mean. 
I should not think, well, you know, the big guns at Andrews figure this one out. How about you? Um, there are some verses that I've been memorizing from the Bible, and I want to share those with you. Uh, I have the Gospel of John. I've actually memorized these two verses because as a pastor especially, they become quite meaningful. And um, it, 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 uh, John the Baptist, when he was uh, wrestling with uh, who he was, who Jesus was, um, he made some references to himself and to Jesus. And he said uh, very clearly something that has become a motto for me. I'm looking at John chapter 3, verse 27, where John says, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. So I'm not saying that God will not give to the scholars at Andrews. He certainly will, and I pray for that. But at the same time, I cannot say that he will only give to those that know the original languages, um, but simply anyone that is humbly seeking to understand, like you, like me. And that's what gives me confidence to engage the Bible because ultimately any correct understanding of the scriptures will have been received by someone because God has given it. And the prerequisite for receiving is humility, a recognition of a need of God, a need of receiving. I cannot figure this book out on my own. And for me, it's exciting. There's still much more to learn. The, the final chapter has not been written on all that the book Revelation has to say to us. So rather than discouraging you, discouraging you, I want to invite you to embrace this and say, hey, I'm diving in. I'm going to join the team in trying to understand and bring my two cents to the table as well. And these, these are definitely my two cents. I got to tell you, I've poured over so many commentaries. I'm exhausted uh, of reading, reading, because I realized, you know, I need to become a bit more familiar with this passage. Uh, and what I'm, I guess, confessing is that I almost had that attitude. Well, I'll let them figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor now. I got other things to, to do, and I'm, I'm repenting from that. I should have been more attentive to this part of Revelation. And so me doing this for you has been a tremendous blessing for me. So I'm going to start this, um, this lesson by challenging you to not study it superficially. But I'm, what I mean by that is uh, don't write the answer based on the comments below the question. I think if you've done the quarterly at least twice or two lessons, you begin to pick up to the, on the fact that unfortunately, for whatever reason, our editors do give the answers to all their questions in the paragraphs below. So I, I check myself. I don't, I, I resist the temptation of simply saying, I'll just see what they have to say and move on. I hope that these individuals recognize that that model has to change. We've started to look like the Jehovah Witnesses with our, with our Sabbath school quarterly in this format because it's almost like we distrust the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will guide the worldwide church to the correct answer. And I'm just uh, saying it because as a pastor, I feel the, the angst of you know equipping my members, not handicapping them. I don't want to give them the answers. I don't want them to feel that I'm the answer man. I want them to recognize the Holy Spirit will guide them to all truth. So uh, I don't want you to cheat, and I, and I do want you to answer the Sabbath school quarterly, but I want you to do it from your own personal study. I want to invite you and challenge you in that regard. So I'm going to challenge you right now. Uh, and on Sabbath afternoon, the, the third paragraph is a little one. says, The scene on the fifth seal represents the experience of, of God's su suffering people through, throughout history, from the time of Abel 
until the time when God will finally judge and avenge the blood of, the blood of his servants. So in, in this lesson, the scene of the fifth seal, we're doing the trumpets, but there's a transition. The fifth seal is, is, represents the experience of God's suffering people throughout history, from Abel till today. Now I'm going to read to you another quote from the quarterly out of page 40. Uh, on page 40, uh, it says this, The scene of the fifth seal applies historical, historically to the period leading up to and following the Reformation. So on page 40, the Sabbath School Quarterly says that the fifth seal appeal uh, applies to up to the Reformation, the period leading up to and following the Reformation. But in page 52, the same lesson says, the scene of the fifth seal represents the experience of God's suffering people throughout history. Hold up. How can it be that it represents uh, leading up to and following the Reformation, the fifth seal, but now all of a sudden it represents God's suffering people throughout history, beginning from Abel, millennia before this event? What's going on here? Well, I, that's what I said. You have to study a little bit deep and catch these things. Pay attention to these things because it hopefully will provoke questions. Now, there is no contradiction here. Uh, actually, I, I told you that I took a, a, the class of Revelation with Professor Stefanovich, both at undergrad and at seminary. And in page 40, there is one key word that he added very intentionally. It says the scene of the fifth seal applies historically. And, and I'm going to share with you now three A, four things that maybe you knew already, but if you didn't, this will be important information for you to talk behind your ear or write somewhere. And if you know this, this will be just good review. There are four basic approaches to interpreting the pro all prophecies, but specifically the prophecies of the book Revelation. There are four major ways to approach it, and I'm going to just tell them to you what they are right now. One of them is called preterism. The other one is called futurism. The other one is called historicism. And the last one is called idealist, the, the idealist focus. And none of these are wrong. Uh, all of these are valid ways of interpreting the, the book of Reve Revelation um, in, its, in their purest definition. Unfortunately, preterism has come to mean something beyond just prophecies that, appear, that apply to the past and futurism prophecies that, that belong to the future that have yet not been fulfilled. Preterism means something different uh, for many scholars, especially. It means that prophecy uh, were, was written for the people back in the time of Christ or back in the time when the author wrote it, but not beyond it, which means that at least for that, those individuals, the way that they interpret prophecy, prophecy has nothing to say for you today, for you and I. It is prophecy is silent. Futurism, on the other hand, the way that it's been de de developed by dispensational theology in most evangelical and Protestant circles, uh, futurism has come to uh, be interpreted as from Revelation chapter four and onward. It's all in the future somehow. It has. It doesn't pertain to us right now. It will happen after the church is raptured away. So you and I don't really need to worry about it. We can, you know, spend some time understanding it. But really, we wouldn't even be here for any of those things. So that's futurism. That, you know, there are things that will happen that, you know, it's, it's still still have to happen in the future. Now, dispensational futurism, at least the way that I just described to you, is not biblical. 
but there are prophecies in the Bible that are still future. So in that sense, futurism is a valid way of approaching scriptures. Preterism, there are prophecies that belong to the past, and there are prophecies that were given that applied to the time that the author of the book was living in, and the, the audience that he was writing to, it applies to their time, and that is correct as well. But it was not only for their time. And just like for futurism, they're not just only for the future. What the, the misapplied um, ways of approaching to preterism and futurism, what they have done in effect is made prophecy silent for, for our times presently. There's nothing that prophecy has to say for us right now. And therefore, you know, the idea of the Antichrist, the, the seal, the, the mark of the beast, the seal of God, all of these things end up being relegated to the future, not something that we need to understand, not just simply understand, but apply and be living and be watchful for today. The historicist way of looking at prophecy embraces these two views um, of preterism and futurism. And what it does is it doesn't stop. What historicism says, yes, they are prophecies that belong to the past and we need to apply them to the past, but this is an ongoing, unbroken chain of um, declarations or revelations that there are some that apply for our day to day and that there are still some in the future that are still to happen. Preterism doesn't believe in the supernatural aspect of these prophecies. Therefore, the Bible cannot predict anything. So in the wrong application of preterism, it kills faith. Futurism, on the other hand, does believe that the Bible can predict and does predict future events, but it leaves us blindsided because there's no prophetic voice, there's no prophetic message for me today. Historicism bridges these two landmarks, preterism, the past, and futurism, the future. Historicism makes it, makes it a one continuous flow. And the last one, idealist. The idealist is... Um, there, there are prophecies that apply to the past, like the, the churches, the church of Ephesus, for example. That, that was the church that applied to the early church, right? They were ardent, faithful, uh, yet they were find, finding themselves um, with their first love, having left their first love. Um, but it clearly applies to the, the prophetically to the time of John and the church, the early church. So a preterist would have no problem saying, yep, that's where it belongs. And historicist doesn't have a problem with that either. But an idealist would say, Though that experience of having left your first love is not an experience that is isolated and exclusive to only the Christians in the first century. Today, <clears throat> there are many Christians that could also lose their first love. So the, the idealist it looks at the idea being presented to in those prophecies and then seeks to apply them um, to personal experience experiences that you and i have today it doesn't apply in a blanket general way like laodicea right i'm sure there may have been some lukewarm christians all throughout history but in a very special sense in a very general sense today's christianity and uh, we're going to own this one right today's seventh day adventism is a lukewarm church, a lukewarm a, a body of believers, which is not a very flattering thing to say, but that's what, how, what prophecy says to us today. So the lesson uh, on Sabbath, when it says that the scenes of the fifth seal represents the experience of God's suffering people throughout history, I'm going to quiz you. 
which of these four is it, is it using? Is it using preterism, futurism, historicism, or idealism? It's, it's using idealism. I also call it the, the spiritual application. Because this the scene of the fifth seal in chapter in page forty is the correct you know it's correct when it says the scenes of the fifth seal applies historically to the period leading up to and following the Reformation that's the historicist approach to the fifth seal but the idealist or the spiritualist the nice spiritualist <laughs> the spiritual application of the fifth seal you, you can see it how it it applies to many Christians to many believers throughout history from Abel down to the end of age. So that is something that I want to provide for you some tools so that as you choose to study beyond just the surface and scratch deeper and deeper, don't worry about these apparent contradictions. Um, there, there's a reason why it's been written this way. One of the things that I took away as I was reading the, the various uh, ways that our pioneers and later on scholars have um, approached the, the trumpets it's a warning, a warning that, you know, that the seven trumpets along with the rest, the, the seven seals, the seven plagues, etc., they, they are an invitation to study together, not to argue and fight together. We can disagree. We can, you know, get passionate about our, our, our views, but always holding on to, clinging on to humility so that I do not become blindsided to someone's insights that could or provide a much better response or much better application of good hermeneutics to the interpretation being given. The, the trumpets are given to study, not to fight. And mostly, if, if we get into the fighting part, we, we actually miss out on the purpose for their, their giving. I'm going to read it as in the last sentence of Sabbath afternoon. It says, the purpose of the seven trumpets is to assure God's people that heaven is not indifferent to their suffering. And I believe that is such a beautiful uh, incentive to resist the temptation to simply want to understand the, pro the trumpets, to create a position that I want to stand on my little soapbox, but rather to glean and make sure that what I'm uh, the substance of what I'm learning provides the assurance that heaven is not indifferent to my suffering, your suffering. And you know, when, when I underlined and highlighted that point, um, I immediately thought of this precious little girl. She's almost one. Her name is Anai. We dedicated her at Oakwood some months ago. And the week after we dedicated her, she was sent to, um, I believe it's Tennessee, where St. Jude Hospital is at. And if you don't know, the, this hospital, they, they treat children with these terminal illnesses and the treatments are given for free to the families. And so Anai was taken down there and they, were, they did everything they could. They, they removed these tumors that she had grown inside her brain and uh, the, the tumors were removed successfully. We were praying for that. But in the process and protocol, uh, post-surgery, surgery, they did genetic testing on Anai and they discovered that is in her genes to produce these very tumors. And about a week, less than a week after that test confirmed that she has received or this gene has become active, they discovered that the tumors had grown again. And they were pressing against parts of her brain that was causing, causing her to vomit, etc. She's less than one year old and the parents have been with her throughout this whole journey.
the grandma, uh, Nubia, she's been keeping us posted with what, what's happening. And last week, they, they flew, the parents flew, Anai, to California. Someone mentioned to them that there may be some natural approaches to this. But uh, today, I got some texts, and um, Anai's organs are shutting down, and she's starting to look pale. And so the grandma is flying out to California. When they were gonna, when they discovered this, that the tumors had come back in Tennessee and St. Jude, they stopped all the treatments. They were trying some, some uh, new approaches to it, some new drugs, and they realized it's it's not gonna do any good. So let her just be at peace and not have the the yucky feeling of of uh, all the chemo. And uh, they were gonna bring her back and put her in hospice. But now Nubia is going to be flying out emergency to California because her precious granddaughter is, um, her organs are starting to fail and it will not be long till Anai rests. So to me, that this week, that's that's what motivated me. I can't just be like a days ago and Laodicean, lukewarm about the Word of God. And, and I repent for, for having that attitude because the purpose of the seven trumpets is to assure God's people that heaven, that God, is not indifferent to our suffering. And when we as a church pray together, and when we as a church cry together, we are assured that God hears every single one of our prayers and that He sees every single one of our tears. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.